This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went and tried to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey guys, this is Lane with the Simple Passive Cashflow Podcast. Today I got another guest, Chris Smiles, who is a cashflow coach. He is featured on CNN Money and US News. And he helps his average client to find $33,000 a year on cash flow. I heard Chris on another podcast and he was kind of preaching the same things that I believe in. And that's cash flow over big net worth sums. Here you are, Chris. How's it going? Awesome, Lane. Great to have me on. I appreciate it. Where are you calling from today? I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. So uh, question one here is how much simple passive cash flow are you making today? And that's passively. And how are you doing it? Yeah, the passive wise, uh, about, it's roughly about six to eight thousand a month, just depending on the month. My way of doing it primarily has been through my business. So like through online sales, things like that, even just relationships, like, uh, you know, affiliate type of relationships and things like that. And so, so really, I mean, even if I don't do a single thing with coaching people, I have more than enough to be able to cover my expenses. I can pretty much shut down my consulting business and have fun still, which I love. What would you say is the split between the the coaching, which is more of an active kind of business, and the more passive activities? Probably say it's about uh, sixty-seven, thirty-three-ish, something like that. So uh, about you know thirty-three on the passive side, and then active is about sixty-seven. Obviously, we're all trying to switch that around. That's the next goal, huh? Yeah. I mean, the thing with me, I love is that I really only work probably about like ten to twenty hours a week. It's pretty. Uh, you know, even though I, I get paid really well for what I do, it's it's not very labor intensive. So I, I have a lot of free time and I love it. What's your Han Solo moment? And for those of you who haven't heard of the Han Solo moment, in Star Wars, Han Solo and his buddy Chewbacca were cruising the galaxy as low-life smugglers. But then they cross paths with Luke and Leia and go off on this journey and their life takes a pivot point. So Chris, what's your uh, Han Solo moment when you've discovered that you need to make a change and you've burnt the boats? <laughs> Yeah, you know, the, the big one for me was probably about the end of 2005 and early 2006. I pretty much was part of the empire. I was a traditional financial advisor. And so, uh, you know, I was, no. I was another one of those stormtroopers, right? What I found, it was interesting because I'd, I'd realized after being in a few years that I like to see evidence. And when you look at financial advice and what people have been receiving for years and even decades, people really aren't that much better off with financial advice that you've been given through traditional media sources, through other advisors and people like that. People really aren't that much better off. And I realized that, you know, when one of my friends who was in real estate investing, he said, Chris, let me ask you a question. What principles do you teach your clients? I said, well, what do you mean by principles? He said, well, that's part of the problem. Number two, how many of your clients are actually financially free where they don't worry about money? Not just have a lot of money, but they don't worry about it. They're not in scarcity about it. And I said, none. Even the retired doctors, like they still watch CNN and freak out, which, you know, CNN you would. <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, he's like, okay, number three, how many of you, how many of you guys as financial advisors do you know are financially free, not from the sales that they do in their business, but actually from the investing they've been recommending people do already? Because if anybody's got to figure it out, it should be you guys, right? And I said, well, from the investments that we've been recommending, none, maybe one. And that one wasn't either when I found out later. He got laid off and immediately was really scrambling for work, you know? And uh, he said, well, there's your problem, Chris. I said, well, give me the answer. He said, I'm not going to give you the answer. And I'm like, dang it, tell me. Like, if you got me to admit I'm wrong here, tell me. And, and he finally said, okay, Chris, if you're serious, go to the bookstore and go find the book, Who Took My Money by Robert Kiyosaki, which basically rips into mutual funds, right? It's like, go find that book. 
He's like, and then listen to this radio show that used to be on here in Utah. He's like, listen to this radio show every morning. They're on for like two hours. These guys are like self-made millionaires. They're awesome. And so I did. I started listening to these guys. I read the book in like a day. It was a great book. I agreed with it. I had already kind of started to see that things were wrong in the financial advisor world. And uh, that was December of 05 that he told me about it. Um, by March of 06, I went to a seminar that some of those guys put on. And some of those millionaires, I was 28 at the time. But some of those millionaires were like in their mid-20s, you know. They're younger than me, retired. I'm like, dang it, how are they doing it? I was hoping I could accumulate enough money to you know, live off of like $2 million and live off the interest. And uh, these guys showed me otherwise. And, and so I actually quit being a financial advisor March of 06, vowed never to teach about money again. I would just go teach ballroom dancing and, uh, and keep doing mortgages, you know, like doing mortgages for people. And pretty much what ended up happening, I ended up getting coached by some of these guys because I was like, hey, I got to know what these guys know. It drives me nuts that they know more than I do. And so I got coached by them. I said, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like, I'll be your most coachable guy you know. And I was. And by July of 06, I was able to retire, um, working maybe three or four hours a week, you know, all through just business streams of income and stuff, even before I started doing real estate stuff. For those listeners who don't quite understand why uh, Chris is calling those financial advisors as sort of the evil empire stormtroopers is unfortunately their compensation scheme is a little messed up. They get compensated on selling you investments based on they get a commission, right, Chris? Exactly. Yeah, they make money off of just selling you crap. You know, (laughs) like they sell you IRAs or 401ks or other types of traditional vehicles that really haven't helped anybody become financially free. But that's how they become financially well off for themselves. You know, they make some cases, they'll make money every single year that you keep your money there. You know, they make money whether you make money or not. Um, that's the problem. It's nice for them, but not great for their clients. Wasn't there a recent law that got changed where they sort of have fiduciary responsibility, but and there's a way they can sharpshoot that? Yeah, it's always been there. I mean, there's always been fiduciary responsibility. I mean, that's, I remember that even, you know, 14, 15 years ago when I started that world. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because even the laws and the way they're set up is basically set up to weigh what really would benefit big banks and, and, and uh, you know, big financial institutions. It's more about make sure it's the right risk because they believe that high risk creates high return, which is a bunch of crap. Like low risk creates high return. Like, you know, the, there's no such thing as a higher chance of losing creating a higher chance of winning. It just doesn't exist, right? If that were the case, we would all buy lottery tickets for Powerball. And that would be our retirement, you know, because <laughs> that's your biggest chance of losing. That's your highest risk with the highest return. That's where I, I love like doing things that are, are not traditional. That's why I have a lot of my clients do things with whether it be with real estate, whether it be with like you know other types of paper assets or commodities or whatever it might be, whatever ends up being their wheelhouse business, I mean, especially if they're business owners where I put a lot of focus, like a lot of times investing in your business, not into that. Put it somewhere where you know you can grow your money and make cash flow, not just save something and then have no real benefit from it that doesn't change your lifestyle at all. It's kind of similar to all the, the drug companies out there. You know? yeah. There's some there's some free drink more water or exercise, but you can't really make money off that stuff like you can like a, a statin drug. I see it the same way as financial advising. And that's, that's why we went more the consulting route because I realized that it was hard for me. It took me a few months to shift because, you know, I didn't want to quit immediately because I wanted to see if I could marry those two worlds together nicely. But what I realized is that they really didn't want me to. Like they, it's funny. I was making more money as a financial advisor right before I left than I ever had because I started to teach true principles that worked and people were attracted to that. They wanted something different, something that worked. And, and I found that the traditional advice and the traditional companies, they just don't want to offer that stuff. I mean, you're not going to ever find someone who sells mutual funds to tell you, hey, you should buy real estate, not mutual funds, right? 
Like they won't do that. Just like a real estate agent won't tell you to go, you know, invest in stocks. And I'm not a huge fan of stocks, even though I taught people how to trade in, that, in the markets and stuff. The thing is, like, if you invest in places where you can control, like things like real estate, things like your business, or things that you know that you have power over, that's that's where the real money's at. A lot of people have been contacting me just from this podcast, and you know, they kind of shoot me a long email telling me about their situation. There's really no situation for everybody, but if somebody I'm going to put you on the spot. So if somebody came up to you, a younger couple with maybe a kid or two, they make a combined income of $200,000 and, you know, they can save $30,000 to $50,000 a year. How would you piece together their portfolio with real estate? And would you have any traditional investments in there like stocks and mutual funds? No, I, I pretty much don't ever recommend people to stocks or mutual funds. I mean, now here's the thing. Here's what I learned. I, I trained about 200 people how to trade stocks and options. Like I would actually like, I wouldn't tell them what to buy, but I'd say, here's what to look for, here's indicators, and now to keep them accountable and watch what they did. And it was interesting. Like I teach them how to take low risk, right? Like how to make sure they make returns on their money. What's interesting is when I stopped coaching them, a lot of them would make money when I was coaching them, but then when I stopped, when the program was done, um, they would be on their own. Most of them wouldn't keep making money. Um, because they you know, emotionally they would get wrapped up or they would try too hard to make money. The f- interesting thing is the ones that kept m- getting better and better at the investing were those that invested regardless of the money, the ones that just loved it. And that were, is where I found the key, the secret. Like when you're trying to match up to like what's the number one kind of investment for you, the first thing I don't tell people is, hey, you should just do this. I mean, granted, I mean, someone says, hey, I can put away 30 grand a year. Cool. We can do all kinds of stuff to make money here and there and even make your dollar do two things at once. But in the beginning, when we're looking to match that up before then, I try to find out what would they do regardless of the money? Like, would they do real estate even if it didn't pay them? Even if they had like no renters for three months, would they be okay with that? You know, because you, you know, I mean, you've got properties, you, you, you've seen situations where it's not always rosy, right? You know, you have to deal with lenders. That's the part of the process that sucks the most, you know, it's just going through the lending process to purchase a property. You know, but then you also have issues potentially with tenants and things like that. Even with a property manager, you can still be distracted by it. And uh, people have noticed that only did real estate for the money were the ones that lost biggest in the Great Recession, you know, with, when it came to real estate. The ones that love it, and, and you'll see Robert Kiyosaki, the reason he leans so much towards real estate is because he loves it regardless of the money. He loves the hunt. If you have that kind of fervor for something, like that's where you should start putting your money. If you're just doing it because you want to make money, and I had people that told me that with stocks. They said, I'd ask them, well, why are you doing this? Oh, I just don't want to deal with people anymore. It's like, okay, well, you realize that dollars full of value you create for other people. The reason you get paid in real estate or in stocks, you know, is because there has to be some sort of value. And the sad thing is with stock markets, you're gambling because you, you're, you're disconnecting from the person. You're just riding waves. You're hoping that you guess right. Where with real estate, like, you know, for example, who you're serving, you know, what, what you're bringing to the marketplace. And people say, Hey, if I can get a house that I don't have to purchase, I'll pay you X number of dollars per month to get that. You're creating value. And that's the surest and easiest way to create money and cash flow year after year, month after month. If you focus on that, that dollars follow value, and you're always focused on how to create more value for people, you'll find that it's easier to make money. And that's the big thing I learned. So when I look for a couple like that, $200,000 a year, and they got thirty to 50000 to save, cool. Like Let's uh, find ways to start banking money. You know, Maybe we flow that money through, like you know, for example, whole life insurance. You can flow money through and use it immediately to go purchase real estate and make money in two areas at once. You're making tax-free money on the life insurance, plus then also making money on the real estate too at the same time. You know, there's all kinds of cool things, strategies you could do that way. But you know, the third thing is like, hey, I hate real estate or real estate stresses me out. Okay, well, then don't do real estate. What would you love to do? 
And I've had, I had some couples, one of them, for example, the husband wants to do real estate and then the wife wants to be like a, like a, a, like a life coach or something. Okay, cool. Husband, you go invest in the real estate. Let's have you do some stuff there. And then for you on the life coach side, let's see how we can make money out there on that side as well. And hey, if we can even make it, you know, residually on the, on that business, even better. And I just want to highlight what you said there. In a way, you're saying, what's your goal? What do you want to accomplish? What kind of lifestyle you want to create here? Yeah. And what would you do regardless of the money? If you were retired, you didn't, money was no longer an issue. What would you do with your time? What would you want? Here's the thing. Some people say, well, I travel. Well, that's because you're not traveling right now. You would say that. Or I'd spend more time with the family. Okay. Maybe, but what, what would you do the other 45 weeks out of the year? You know, you already spent like a couple months with your kids and then you're like, okay, I'm ready to do something. What would that be? Like, what's that passion, that burning desire? Follow that passion. You start to do that instead of chasing dollars. It's so much easier to make money. I mean, that's really what was my secret was that, uh, the only reason I got in this business is because people kept asking me. I, I think Lane, you've had that same problem, right? Like, uh, you, you just been doing your real estate, doing, doing it quietly, but then people are like, yeah, but how do you do what you do? For me, it naturally led because I like to teach people and I like to mentor them. It led me into this business and I used to do it for free, but the problem was that people wouldn't do jack squat and they waste my time. <laughs> so if I charge them, there's enough skin in the game. They would actually take action and get results and then they would actually be happier too. So that's where I started charging people. And I came out of retirement in, in uh, 2007. Next question here is, uh, what's your worst life and business moment? And what did you do after that? And what was the lesson learned? Worst business moment was actually about 2008. Uh, when the markets crashed, um, that's where it affected my real estate a lot. And, uh, and definitely uh, that's where I found myself from like millionaire to upside down millionaire. That was so awesome. <laughs> so were you investing for cash flow at that time? You know, uh, I started invest for cash flow and then with real estate, I kind of got bit by the bug. I was like, Hey, I should, I should be doing more real estate just because that's what investors do. And, uh, and I got a little sloppy on some of that. Now, that wasn't the only reason I had negative cash flow because even, even though I sold off my real estate, I was still negative because I started a new business. I actually went and partnered with some other guys that had retired that were like my situation, right? Uh, some of those same millionaires, we all got together and created a company. But then pretty soon, like, uh, our company started tanking because we were focused on real estate investors. So when all of them were losing and they didn't have money to pay us, then it was like a double whammy. Our real estate was suffering plus our businesses were suffering at the same time. So I was in the hole roughly about $16,000 a month at that period of time for my first figured out where I was. Luckily, I mean, that's where my cash flow process came into play. Uh, luckily, I got really resourceful and creative, and I was able to dig back out of that, pay like $900,000 in debt in about three and a half years, um, all with zero credit and zero savings. I had pretty much lost it all in, in that uh, Great Recession. But I was able to rebuild that and, and uh, you know get to where I am today now because of it, and, and much wiser because I was... I was a little bit of a gambler back then. <laughs> I tell everybody, you know, when you purchase a home, you buy it on the cash flow basis. That yes. If there is a correction, you you know, you've got two hundred, three hundred dollars of cash flow in there. That the rents go down, you can cut your rents by a hundred dollars, and you'll be fine to ride out any wave. In fact, you'll be better than most. I think real estate kind of gets a bad bug because of two thousand eight, because everybody was doing all these ridiculous things. And not to use it as an example, Chris, but you got you got the bug. I did. Yeah, I started getting negative cash flow properties because I'm like, well, it's got equity. It's cool. I can always pull the equity out, right? And, uh, and that was, and that was the thing that was horrible because like I would put, and this is where actually where I started to hear like stuff from, you know, people would talk about Dave Ramsey. This is when I realized that Dave Ramsey's advice could be dangerous because he'd tell you to pay down those mortgages, right? So I put all this money into equity, you know, to try to pay down these loans. And, uh, which is funny because I started to question it anyways, but I was like, well, I got extra cash. I'll just throw it back in the property because it keeps going up. I can cash back out when I need it, right? 
And then when the credit you know, crisis came, especially where you're a business owner, even though I've been business owner for years, they just said, hey, we don't want you guys getting access to cash right now. I saw tons of equity get trapped in properties that I couldn't get access to. And then pretty soon, the markets would take it away. And uh, and that stunk. I mean, that was horrible. And plus, you try to sell the properties, and then people aren't buying because they're, they're having credit issues too. And it was crazy. I mean, that's where I learned it's so much more valuable to have cash available Invest for cash, like you said, and then have liquid cash, liquid savings. Build your equity outside of the properties. Like, don't just stick every dollar in to try to pay those loans down. That's dangerous. That's one big lesson I learned from that market is you never know. Like, that's not a safe place to put it. Don't put it with the bank where they're going to hold on to it. You know, keep it in your own possession. Let the banks take all the risk with the loans. The next question here, uh, a mark of a hard performer is to put your ego aside and accept the help of others and to participate in masterminds. Chris, what's your uh, two-week experiment that you're kind of working on and what's your six-month project? Oh, yeah. Right now, I'm, I'm focusing a lot on two things, um, at least especially in the next few weeks. One, I've got a half marathon coming up that I'm uh, you know, preparing for in three weeks and then, uh, and then I'll also get married next month. So that's coming up as well. So those have been some of the things I'm working on. And then uh, in the next few months, actually in the winter time, we're planning on snowbirding. So we're actually planning to move down to California for the winter and then move back to Utah for the other nine months. That's fun. Like just be able to have that freedom to be able to say, you know what, let's you know, let's go somewhere where it's warm. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, so it's you know rained a lot and it would be kind of miserable. And here in Utah, it gets very smoggy in the winter time. You can get snow, but you also get a lot of smog because of that snow. And so. We're like, let's get out. Let's go somewhere warm. So that's kind of the things I'm working on the next six months. That cash flow gives you the opportunity to live where you want mm-hmm. and to design your life that way. Exactly. Yeah, I'm grateful for that. So what is your simple passive cash flow number that you'd like to retire and then imagine you had two times that amount? Describe your ideal day, you know, your routine and what projects you'd be working on at that point. You know, it's not much different than it is now. The thing is, like, my projects that I've been working on lately is just really teaching what I teach, you know, helping free people up. I mean, I, I just had a, a client here recently where we were able to help him increase his revenue, his business by 200 grand for doing nothing, no extra work. That inspires me. Like, that's something that excites me because he was coming to me saying, man, I'm strapped. So really, I love teaching. I love doing what I'm doing. So the lifestyle really isn't changing a whole lot. Um, I think, I think a great number, I mean, a great passive income number for me easily would be like 30, 30, 40 grand a month would be awesome. So if you were to take that number, my ideal number and double it, it'd probably be about 30 or 40 grand passive. Um, and I know, uh, you know, I probably will eventually write a book. That's something that come along. I just, I love doing podcasts way more though. <laughs> right. I mean, nobody reads anymore, right? And I don't, I forgot how to read. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, exactly. You could, even if you can read, just get an audio book, right? So if, if you did get that number, I mean, what would that number buy you day to day? You know, not a whole lot more than what I have. I mean, that's that's one thing I've kind of realized. Like, you know, once I once I got to retirement the, the first time, it really, uh, you know, back in 2006, I realized it was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> and nothing really changed. Like, it's really you that cha- that shifts. That you have to you have to change first. The money only makes you more of who you already are. For me, like I said, day-to-day basis, not a whole lot different. I mean, I I work so little in comparison. I mean, like I said, 10 to 20 hours a week. I mean, I I go to the pool with my kids. I have them on vacation for the next few weeks. You know, we went to Yellowstone last week. I mean, like I really enjoy my lifestyle. I love that I get to to work when I want, play when I want. I mean, that's the thing. It's like I I guess you could say like I, I really am already living that retired lifestyle, so I wouldn't really change much. Like I might just, you know, blow the horn a little bit more and induce a few things with like PR and things like that. But other than that, I really love my lifestyle. And what I found was kind of funny, you know, just getting in contact with you. I mean, you said you're watching a bunch of other kids, seven <laughs> kids you're watching. And 
what is it today? You're doing some work around the house. You just yeah, I was just, kinda... I'm still in my workout clothes all day. I haven't showered. You know, <laughs> I was going to, but I figured I'd just go to the swimming pool after we're done here, and and then I'll shower that way, right? <laughs> right. I just it just amazing contrast with the people. You know, you're at your normal work. The people are just overwhelmed and just say, "Oh, I'm too busy, too busy, too busy." Yeah, that's it's it, it is. I mean, it it does take a mind shift, mindset shift. I think that's one of the biggest things that has to happen. Because when I got there the first the first time, it was just it felt like it was very accidental you know it was like it just happened to work really well i didn't intend it to work that fast um the second time around i was much more intentional in how i'm doing it and and it's it's awesome i i love i love my life i love my lifestyle and the thing is that i keep working because i'd be bored otherwise that's why i came out of retirement 2007 like i just needed something to do that felt like i had mission and so my life became more about a mission rather than just money Mark of a high performer is that they just keep doing what they're doing, just be, not because of the money. Yeah. It's like, why do billionaires keep working? Because they need more money? No, of course not. They do it because there's a drive. There's a, there's a real mission there. Next question here. Uh, I don't know if you subscribe to Tony Robbins' material, uh-huh. but he identifies two large concepts that we're continually struggling to gain perfection. The first is the art of fulfillment, and the second is the science of achievement. So if you weren't, weren't around tomorrow... What would be your final words of wisdom to achieve first the secret of science of achievement and the art of fulfillment? I would say they they both intertwine. Uh, that's I think the biggest thing that's happened to me in the last decade is just knowing that they they really mesh together. The biggest thing I would leave behind is that remembering that money, for example, when it comes when people look at success with money, you know, money is just a receipt of service. It's a re- it's it's just a proof. It's just a paper receipt that you've served somebody or have a promise to serve somebody. And so if you realize that all wealth and all happiness and all joy comes from how we make a benefit in people's lives, what kind of ripple effect do we create? That's why my company's name is called Money Ripples, is that ripple effect we create in individuals and in groups of people's lives, is what kind of ripple effect can you create by creating value for people? And the way you do that is by serving them, solving problems, and adding value. And how you best show up both in your personal and your professional life, if it's the same, you're always about serving other people and always about other people. You'll find out that money won't be a struggle as much, and you'll find out that life is so much happier. Like there's so much more joy. You're wealthy in all areas of life, not just in money. The people who you don't like to work with, it always seems like their social mass and their authentic mass is so separated. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like with high performers that those two maths are exactly alike, and things just work at that point. Everything intertwines. Everything affects each other. I mean, that's why I'm doing a half marathon because your physical body needs to be there. You need that energy to keep serving people and be able to do more of that and your relationships are key and your mindset's key i mean all this stuff education everything is all intertwined with money relationships health everything is intertwined spiritual life everything anything we missed that you'd like to uh parting words and what's your contact if you'd like anybody to get a hold of you yeah you know i think the biggest thing is like again don't invest for money you know invest in the things that you love I think that's the biggest thing I would say is if it's real estate that you think you have an interest in, find out what that real, how that really ties into your drive, your desire, not just to make more money, but something bigger than you. And you'll find out you'll make money so much more easily than you do just trying to make money. Because if it were just about making money, everybody would be making money when that says, how do I make more money? Never ask that question again. Always ask, how do I create more value? Um, so one thing I can do to help create value for you guys too, um, like you could check out my website, moneyripples.com. That's M-O-N-E-Y-R-I-P-P-L-E-S.com. Um, I've got an ebook on there called Beyond Rice and Beans, Seven Secrets to Free Up Cash Today. If you're looking to find ways to create more money, the things I basically learned when I went through my crap, my pain now become everybody else's gain. So basically how to get creative, how to find resources, uh, money like that. 
Um, and also too, like feel free to follow my podcast. I've got a show you can find on iTunes called the Chris Miles Money Show. So check me out. Thanks for coming on, Chris. And I guess, uh, now you can get back to work in the garden. Yep. Back to barbecuing and swimming right now. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Chris. You bet. We'll see you. This website offers very general information concerning real estate for investment purposes. Every investor situation is unique. Always seek the services of licensed third-party appraisers and inspectors to verify the value and condition of any property you intend to purchase. Use the services of professional title and escrow companies and licensed tax, investment, and or legal advisor before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed as in every investment there is risk. The content found here is just my opinion and things change and I reserve the right to change my mind. Above all else, do your own analysis and think for yourself because in the end, you are the only person who is going to look out for your best interests.